Yes, hello, my friends, and welcome to this, another edition of the Underdog Football Show. My name is Josh Norris. His name, Hayden Winks. Hayden, on Monday, we recorded 1 through 50 running back rankings. It's on YouTube. It's on the podcast feed. Today, it's how you fill out your drafts. It's how we win our leagues. It is wide receiver rankings time. Maybe the deepest position in the NFL right now. How do you feel? I feel good about it. I think that the running backs early on, that conversation is really important. I think that this conversation gets deeper because we're talking about, I think we might hit on like a hundred receivers. Uh, <laughs> at least on under blog, we have a hundred receivers up there, but yeah, I think like wide receiver 50 really matters um, in fantasy running back 50 doesn't really matter very much. Like this conversation gets really deep. Um, so hopefully we can hit on enough of them. 100 wide receivers today might be a challenge. I don't know if we're going to be here for three hours going to try to keep it to around an hour. Should we get started? Again, Hayden mentioned that all of these are on Underblog. You can check out the link below or go to underblog.underdogfantasy.com. All right. We also want to start with, we love so many of these top wide receivers that we're going to be positive here to start. And it makes sense because they are so good. I mentioned how it's potentially the best position in the NFL, but here we go. We start off with our number one wide receiver. His name is Tyree Kill. I mean, you can't go really wrong here. I think the only discussion we have to have at the at the top of this is the Devontae Adams one that I think is the most important because we know Tyreek Hill is going to ball out. We know Steph Diggs is going to ball out. Same with DeAndre Hopkins and Calvin Ridley. All of these guys are volume hogs. All of them are very good at the game. I think the one is the Devontae Adams question because I'm willing to rank him number one overall because I believe Aaron Rodgers will end up coming back. The Packers have a lot of the leverage here. Aaron Rodgers, if he doesn't want to play, he's going to be forfeiting a lot of money. And I know Aaron Rodgers has a lot of money, but it's still a lot of money. So, uh, And I think that Aaron Rodgers is competitive enough to want to come back. So um, even if uh, Jordan Love starts, I think that Devontae Adams would still be pretty effective just because he would get all that volume. Yeah, underdog ADPs are a bit in flux right now with A.J. Brown situation because he is going, I believe, as the wide receiver three on underdog and has been for the last few weeks so that will shift and Hayden having Devontae Adams as his wide receiver one absolutely stands out Stefan Diggs we have as our wide receiver three I mean maybe no one plays better iso ball in the NFL than Diggs I mean he was the wide receiver three in fantasy points per game last year I do want to bring up DeAndre Hopkins here at wide receiver four I was looking up where he was catching and was targeting footballs last year he had just six targets on the entire right side of the field. Hayden, do we think that changes this year? Do we think that Cliff has looked in the mirror this offseason and he'll change his utilization of Nuke? It's kind of an air raid thing. I'm not really expecting that to happen, especially with AJ uh, AJ Green involved too, which, by the way, I think AJ Green's going to start. We write him off, but I think hmm. he's going to start. Um, but yeah, a lot of it is just left side, and, and it's just kind of up to Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury figuring out how to win over the middle of the field. Like A lot of these plays are just like down by the sideline too. So um, I don't know. I think that DeAndre Hopkins of the offense should be better. So I'm definitely willing to bet on him. He was the wide receiver six per game last year on wide receiver eight usage. He's one of the highest floor players in all of fantasy right now. So I think that in the middle of round two, that's where, where I'd be taking him. That development of that passing game will be interesting. I mean, obviously Kyler was so good and the injury really hindered his season, but you add in AJ Green, as you talked about who is probably going to play a lot and you add in Rondale Moore and some manufactured touches we just think that Larry Fitzgerald, obviously, and then Christian Kirk. Uh, the era is over, along with Andy Isabella as well. Close out this top tier. We have Calvin Ridley as our wide receiver five. He's going 
as the wide receiver seven mm-hmm. on underdog. Hayden stood out to me. He was first in 20 plus yard targets last season, right before we hit live. It came out that he had minor surgery on his foot. I don't expect that to change anything. The closer we get to training camp, the closer we get to week one. He really, really took the leap last year going from a secondary wide receiver to a true alpha number one wide receiver. That was the big test. And I think that's probably why the Falcons were a little more willing to move on from Julio Jones, obviously adding Kyle Pitts doesn't doesn't hurt that either. So Calvin Ridley was wide receiver four per game last year. His splits with and without Julio Jones are both great. So, I mean, yeah, he's one of the highest floor, highest ceiling players in this Arthur Smith offense. And like you said, those, those 15 to 20, 25-yard completions, you're going to see a lot of them because that's where you win off of play action. It's kind of in that intermediate part of the field. And then Calvin Ridley is so explosive. On all of those runaway routes, he's going to be dominating there. I think he's on the Stefan Diggs trajectory when it comes to his his NFL career. We've seen that uh, go along right now. And by the way, the the outside throws, those outside breaking routes that Ridley runs, I mean, that might be Matt Ryan's like bread and butter when we talk about it. I mean, it's just perfectly like three-point shots over and over and over again to the sideline. It's so difficult to cover against. Um, obviously, Arthur Smith, new play caller, substituting in Cal Pitts for Julio Jones, not going to play the exact same areas of the field. But we saw it last year when Julio was down, Ridley stepped up and was that true number one wide receiver. Okay, again, those are our top five wide receivers. Now let's go over into tier two. This is where we have A.J. Brown at wide receiver six. He is, again, going as the wide receiver three right now, an underdog that will be shifting over these next few weeks. Why do we still have him all the way up here at six? Well, A.J. Brown last year was the wide receiver nine and half PPR points per game, and he did that on wide receiver 25 usage. So he has to be a complete outlier um, in terms of efficiency to be where he's ranking. But you and I love A.J. Brown as a player, so we're willing to keep him in this wide receiver one discussion, even with Julio Jones involved. I do think that the Julio Jones trade doesn't really affect his floor too much. I think that A.J. Brown's going to get his regardless, especially because it's basically just three people in this offense. But some of these like 160, 180 target seasons, that's kind of removed from the picture. So that's where I think that there deserves to be a little bit of a teardrop from those first guys to A.J. Brown, just because A.J. Brown's not going to have as many 10 to 12 target games as the first tier. This isn't, you know, a scientific line that I drew. But, you know, if you take all wide receivers who had at least 80 targets last season – Guess who led the interception in yards after catch per reception? That's A.J. Brown. Of course. I mean, even with an A dot of 11.3 yards, he was surrounded by shorter and lighter players, the position like D.J. Moore, like Cooper Cup, like Robert Woods, like Jameson Crowder, like Terry McLaurin. A.J. Brown is just an absolute freak. I want to bank on freaks. I want to bank on someone who has done it on this team, who also had a productive player opposite him. We know Julio is one of the best wide receivers of this generation, potentially of all time, but he is on the decline of his career as much as we love Julio. And AJ Brown is on the ascendancy of his career. I mean, he is so good at the game and it is noteworthy though, Hayden, that we have our wide receivers six, seven, and eight all averaged between as the same exact thing. Uh, at 780p in terms of this position. So I guess we should go to the wide receiver seven, and that's Justin Jefferson, a player who produced the best rookie receiving season that you and I have ever seen in our lifetimes. Yeah, that's only like 23 years for me, but uh, that still was pretty important. Uh, Justin Jefferson, wide receiver 11, 
half PPR last last year. Obviously, one of the biggest ballers in the entire league already. And then you're also kind of banking on, for me, the difference between uh, Justin Jefferson, DK Metcalf, and AJ Brown is I think Adam Thielen at his age with some of his injuries recently, he's the worst of these kind of wide receiver one-two punches. Um, so I actually moved since this, I've moved Justin Jefferson as my wide receiver six, just because I think Ooh. Adam Thielen is less of a threat uh, than t- Tyler Lockett and Julio Jones. And all three of these offenses are very balanced, especially with what we're projecting for the Seahawks here. Um, so, I mean, all three of these guys are kind of like the same guys. They win differently, but they're like basically the same player. I was shocked to look back and remember that Adam Thielen was the wide receiver seven last season in fantasy points per game. Um, yeah, we mentioned with DK Metcalf. It's going to be a new offense there in Seattle. We had a conversation with someone yesterday who talked about, you know, young shoddy and how the season started off one way and then how it might have changed a little bit in the second half. And that wasn't just from the play calling perspective. That was from the head coach and just a coaching decision maker group. Shane Waldron comes in, obviously, a longtime buddy with Sean McVay. I mean, his career arc is crazy. He was in... 2011, the offensive coordinator of Buckingham Brown and Nichols School. Then he goes on and works at UMass. Then he works with Sean McVay with Washington. And now he's been like the tight end coach and the passing game coordinator over there with the Los Angeles Rams. It's kind of crazy that we're going to get somewhat similar systems from the 49ers, from the Rams, and maybe from Seattle as well. However, both of those first two were key in like the quick game areas, like the yards after catch areas. That hasn't been Russell Wilson's forte necessarily, but none of that is going to prohibit DK Metcalf from going to the moon this year, I think. Only expanding this offense can help a player like that and just the phenomenal talent that he is. Yeah, the only thing that's keeping me a little bit hesitant, like putting him to like the tier one conversation is these neutral pass rates uh, in the second half of last season. I think that's what we should be kind of banking on with the new uh, coaching change over there from weeks 10 through week 18, including the playoffs, uh, the Seahawks had a 50% neutral pass rate. That was 18th in the league over that span. In the beginning of the season, they were second in neutral pass rate. And that's when DK Metcalf was averaging 99 yards per game. In that second half of the season, DK Metcalf was only averaging 68 yards per game. This to me is only a a minor weakness in the projection of, of DK Metcalf. He's just a total outlier, and I, I'm fine betting on outliers when I, when we've seen it, and everything about DK Metcalf shows that he's a total outlier. Our wide receiver nine is Michael Thomas. Uh, I actually thought the public was a little bit lower on Michael Thomas than we are. Then we go and look at these rankings. We go and look at ADPs. We're right in line with them. I think it's more because his, his overall ADP is around 28 overall. That's after George Kittle. That's after DeAndre Swift. That's just ahead of J.K. Dobbins. So for someone who we saw, you know, has broken records in terms of receptions, go in the middle of the first round neck and neck with Devontae Adams. Seeing him well after round two is still something that's a bit shocking to me. I mean, Jameis Winston can throw a slant. Like, I know the stats and stuff, Like, but, like, come on. Like, he was, like, a, an awesome passer. Like, that's that's his thing. He turns the ball over, but he is an awesome passer. Like, he's going to be able to throw slants to Michael Thomas. Like this is, this is out of control. This narrative just needs to go away. Like Michael Thomas is going to dominate on slants. Jameis Winston could throw a slant and guess what? Michael Thomas, I don't think is just a slant boy. Like he, he can win downfield if he needs to, That's just, he was never asked to do that with Drew Brees. What if Michael Thomas shows a little more intermediate game this year? I think that Michael Thomas deserves 
um, some wide receiver one love if if Jameis Winston is the starter but that's something that I'm banking on going into this year anything on Keenan Allen who's you know coming up on his age what 29 season uh, he is still doing it he's still kicking it he's still someone if you put him in the slot he and Justin Herbert had immediate rapport but then also he can be you know that outside breaking route player as well we'll talk about one of his teammates later on but I feel like we, we talk about all these phenoms like AJ Brown and and DK Metcalf and people that have put up ridiculous production like Justin Jefferson and Michael Thomas during their career and then we just kind of slide Keenan Allen in here like it's the guy who's done it year in year out so consistently it's because he's not like some super physical player he's like wins with some route running techniques and he's really handsy he doesn't drop too many passes but he is like kind of a big body slot receiver and he can win on the outside when asked to do so he was wide receiver five in fantasy usage and half ppr formats last year obviously we're banking on justin herbert a ton so keenan allen as long as he stayed healthy and he has stayed healthy recently um he's going to be right in this like wide receiver one conversation and we'll close out this second tier of wide receivers for us with Allen Robinson as wide receiver 11, Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb back-to-back at wide receiver 12 and 13. We slot Julio Jones as wide receiver 14. Go and listen back to our shows on the podcast feed and on the YouTube channel. Just search Underdog Fantasy on about 30 minutes on Julio Jones's fit with the Tennessee Titans. And then we close out this second tier again with Mike Evans as wide receiver 15. Hayden, let's jump on over to the third tier. And let's do that by answering this question from Lyndon, who is in the chat right now. Again, we record live every Monday through Thursday on YouTube. Check us out, 1230 Eastern. Have lunch with us. Uh, Of this tier, tier two, which guy, if any, has actual overall wide receiver one potential? I would say Justin Jefferson. I think he's that much of a baller. And if the the Vikings, if Adam Thielen were to get hurt, there really isn't somebody that's going to step into that role and – I think that he's like that big of a baller. And I think Kirk Cousins is kind of underrated as a passer. I know like they're maybe you can't win the Super Bowl with with Kirk Cousins, but you can throw for a lot of yards and a lot of touchdowns. And Justin Jefferson was awesome last year. My answer is Michael Thomas. Uh, if we go back to 2019 when Jameis Winston played and he's not going to get as long of a leash he did with the Bucks that season in terms of throwing that many interceptions, guess who the wide receiver two and the wide receiver three was in fancy points per game? It was Chris Godwin. And it was Mike Evans. And then Michael Thomas is the wide receiver one overall. And just having that condensed receiving group of Michael Thomas to Alvin Kamara and maybe even Adam Troutman having absolutely probably no one else. Uh, Michael Thomas, the volume is there. If we get LASIK Jameis on the field, he has wide receiver one overall potential. All right, here we go. Tier three, Hayden Winks. This is one that's fascinating to me because it rounds out really our top 24 wide receivers. And we see a lot of pairings with ones that we previously already mentioned. I mean, two top 24 wide receivers we have ranked in AJ Brown and Julio Jones, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, Amari Cooper and CD Lamb, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. I mean, that's six pairings to be in that top 24 wide receivers. Can they all do it? If you have a good quarterback and there's only two, maybe a third guy in the passing offense, then yeah, we've seen it like the last couple of years. This happens all the time. So I I wouldn't be running away from that just because there's another guy in this offense that even actually kind of unlocks their, their ceiling. If the other guy got hurt, like we just said with Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, if Justin Jefferson got hurt, 
Adam Thielen would go vaulting up into that the tier above this. So yeah. uh, I think it's totally reasonable to draft these guys. I think overall in this tier, I think just you and I's rankings, uh, one through 23, these first, second, and third tier, we feel very comfortable with these guys. Yeah. Because I think wide receiver more so than running back is a skill position in terms of fantasy. How good you are at the actual game translate to fantasy points more at wide receiver than it does at tight end and running back. And I think one through 23, all these guys – we know are really good at football. We know that they're going to get the ball a ton. So I think that these guys are extremely safe draft picks um, compared to some of the the running backs that are being drafted rounds three and rounds four and rounds five. That's why I think you and I, we can debate each little player here and there, but I think in general, sign me up for any of these guys. Like I want all of these guys on my fantasy team. Yeah. And I think in the updated ADP on underdog right now, Adam Thielen is actually the bottom of this group at wide receiver 23. And he's still going as like the 51st overall player. And you can get him like right around with where you might take, I don't know, Miles Gaskin or or Travis Etienne, like Adam Thielen in that range all day for me. And that only goes up to Cooper Cup. That only goes up to Tyler Lockett. That only goes up to Jamar Chase. We are slightly lower on a couple of these players. And I don't know how much we want to dive into that. The reason why, because again, we love all of them. But like Terry McLaurin's going as the wide receiver 13 right now. We have him as the wide receiver 16. Um, I think. You know, Washington is almost America's team at this point in terms of how excited they are for that offense. Again, I'm exiting still drafts with Terry McLaurin. I'm still getting him in those drafts, but the public absolutely loves him. Yeah, with with Terry Terry McLaurin, like you and I both like him. And even though he's like two or three spots lower in our wide receiver rankings, he's still going to be when we do our overall top 200 rankings right in line with ADP because we like the receivers over the running backs in this range. I think, I think maybe why we have them a little bit lower is I think we're big Curtis Samuel fans. And I think that we're appreciating how good this defense is and the running game is probably going to be a little bit better. Um, so maybe there's just not as much volume for Terry McLaurin, but like the last thing I want to be saying is like negative things about Terry McLaurin. Like that's, that's how you get in trouble really quick. So like you, you and I are like going to be drafting him plenty. It's just, it's just all these wide receivers are so good. Yeah. DJ Moore, wide receiver 17, Robert Woods, wide receiver 18, Chris Godwin, wide receiver 19, so on and so forth. Again, if you want to check out the full rankings, they're free. I repeat, they are free and they're up on underblog.underdogfantasy.com. All right. Tier four. Tier four. I, I mentioned those groupings and those pairings of two top 24 wide receivers on teams because there were at least five pairs in 2020. There were at least four pairs in 2019 so it's absolutely feasible while we have six for it to get there and as hayden mentioned targets are earned receptions are earned yards are earned unless you're just one of those like stat accumulators on on certain teams and we'll get into that more and more uh, as we go on if you're an alpha player again at the position that's probably the best in the nfl right now you're going to get yours here we go tier four Hayden, this is where we separate ourselves. This is where we differ from the public. This is where we differ in ADP. Is there a big picture reason why that that happens in this group more than others? I think this is where like the skill difference drops a little bit. None of these guys are like established alphas for the most part. So I think that you and I are kind of making our bets on which players we think are probably underrated just from a real life standpoint. And then there's a couple couple players who are affected probably more so by their quarterbacks, most of those uh, one through 23 receivers all have very bankable starting quarterbacks. Some of these guys, now you're getting into like the Broncos receivers and the Dolphins receivers, where we have a l- couple more question marks about the quarterbacks. So I think that's the biggest 
difference. And that's why I labeled this tier as the boom bust wide receiver threes. These are the people in your regular leagues. You're going to be questioning if I should put them in my lineup every week at underdog, just throw them in there. We'll take your best weeks and then you can move on. And if you follow our rankings, you'll exit your drafts either on that platform or any other platform with a lot of these players. Cause we're so well ahead. Let's we're 20 minutes in let's plant a flag and we're going to plant it at the top of this tier. We have Robbie Anderson as our wide receiver 24. The public has him as their wide receiver 32. You know, I'm the biggest, biggest Robbie Anderson fan out there. You're right there with me. This is a player who finished last season as the wide receiver 26 in fantasy points per game. And Hayden, I only think there's potential for him to get even more opportunity. And it's because of how Joe Brady utilized him last year. I mean, he was generalized as just this vertical playmaker for his entire career. His average depth of target goes from a average of, of 16 yards in those seasons down to 9.8. And that directly correlated with over 200 more yards after catch opportunities than he had in previous years. Uh, I think last year is his floor and losing Curtis Samuel and not having a one for one replacement in that offense. You're going to see DJ Moore. There's a reason why we had him so high up and there's a reason why we have Robbie Anderson so high up right now. For all of those reasons, I'm right there with you. Plus, he already has some chemistry with Sam Darnold. Uh, I'm not sure how much of that matters, but it might matter a little bit. And he was the wide receiver 15 on fantasy usage. So there was even some room for some positive regression. If in some scenario that Sam Darnold is just much better than Teddy Bridgewater, then all of these, like, I think that DJ Moore would have a chance to go up a tier. I think Robbie Anderson easily can move up a tier into the tier three guys, just because we know that the offense is going to give him the ball just the way that the offense is constructed. And I'm pretty confident that Robbie Anderson's good at the game too. Yes. I'm very confident. There's some frustration in fantasy circles right now in terms of analysis that says like, Oh, Robbie was, you know, just as an example, the wide receiver 26 last year, and he's being drafted as the wide receiver 32. That makes him a value. But I think Hayden, it, it matters when you couple it with a context with a context of that, you know, Joe Brady loves to use three wide receivers. We saw Robbie last year transform his game in this offense. I mean, I even went back in, in like week 12 against Minnesota. There's a third and 11. In previous seasons, like with Adam Gase or whoever with the Jets, he'd be asked to like run this vertical route and hopefully get like a, you know, downfield shot that would hopefully make sense and, and come down with it. Instead, he ran a crossing route one yard down the field caught a pass and ran for 40 yards in the end zone. Like he has real yards after catch capability. So again, I don't know if we're going to see a number three wide receiver, number three pass catcher, even though Christian McCaffrey is going to get his, guess what? Mike Davis got some last year too. I think the amount of opportunity if Robbie plays 16 or 17 games this year is going to equal what we saw last year. And if I had to bet on either side of that, it would actually be going up this year. And they're in the perfect division to be chasing points, chasing the Bucks, chasing the Saints, chasing the Falcons. So the Panthers are going to be in some shootouts. I think their defense is getting slightly better, but still a very young unit, a very unproven unit. So you're going to see the Panthers being a lot of positive game scripts for Robbie Anderson. And then this is just maybe Sam Darnold. Like some people out there, like Daniel Jeremiah, for example, like still really believes in Sam Darnold. So maybe he is just better than Teddy Bridgewater. And I don't think that that upside is being accounted for. Yeah, and our old buddy Chris Sims even ranked Sam Darnold as a top 20 quarterback in the NFL. Um, FF Doom in the chat says, hoping for huge positive TD regression coming for Robbie Anderson. I think you could say that for DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, who combined for just seven touchdowns last season in the receiving game. Uh, but we might have a comment on that later. 
on someone who could pick up some of those red zone touchdowns as well. All right. We also, pulling from the previous tier, we had Jamar Chase as our wide receiver 20. He's going as wide receiver 22. T. Higgins is going as the wide receiver 31. Tyler Boyd is going as you know the wide receiver 32. We have T. Higgins much higher. Excuse me, the ADP does of wide receiver 26. So, Hayden, I ask you, that's quite a bit of receiving talent in a Cincinnati Bengals passing game. Is it fair? Is it valid? Can all three hit? They can all, all three can hit, but maybe not at all three of these ADPs. I think if you just look at my rankings, I'm about three or four wide receiver spots lower on all three of the pass catchers. But I think I needed to do that because I'm higher on Joe Mixon. I can't have it both ways. I can't be higher on Joe Mixon and then all these receivers. So the narrative that I'm going for um, in my rankings this year is that the Bengals aren't going to be as pass heavy as they were uh, mm-hmm. last year. Um, if you look at the splits with and without Joe Mixon, um, the Bengals were 56% neutral pass rate with Joe Mixon. Without Joe Mixon, they were at 67%. That sample is only looking at games with Joe Burrow. So I do wonder if the Joe Burrow torn ACL um, combined with the offensive line coaching change combined with the offensive line upgrades, it's not going to be a good unit, but it's going to be an upgraded unit. If that means they're going to pass the ball a little less this year, than last year. And I think that's why I'm a little higher on Joe Mixon and a little lower on all three of these wide receivers. Let's dive into specifically two of them because you and I differ very much. And so does the public. I mean, again, they have wide receiver 26 in terms of ADP is T Higgins. Tyler board checks in as wide receiver 34. I have Tyler board is my wide receiver 28. T Higgins is my wide receiver 34. And you basically have those two flipped. And it's, it's the conversation of outside receiver versus inside receiver. Is it not? And that's where it comes down to me where Jamar Chase and one, I mean, Joe Burrow was absolutely atrocious to throwing down the field last year. I mean, his adjusted completion percentage of 20 plus yard throws, he was 37th in the NFL, 21%. I mean, that's right around Drew Locke, Dwayne Haskins, and Mitch Trubisky. I'm sure some of that was year one, Joe Burrow. I'm sure some of that was maybe some of the playmakers that they wanted to add a la Jamar Chase this year. I think some of it is also Joe Burrow's arm that he's just not going to be, you know, this Justin Herbert throwing the football with explosive plays down the field. But what I know is going to be consistent no matter what, and has been for years it feels like, is is Tyler Boyd and his ADOT. I mean, 8.8, that's an air of the field that is that short to intermediate game. Meanwhile, if I can predict T. Higgins based on last year, it was 12.9, and then Jamar Chase is at 14.3. So you're going to get some explosive plays out there. But like the one player that has a role different from those two I think it's Tyler Boyd. It's a safer option, but one I'm I'm comfortable taking here. Tyler Boyd's going to be a wide receiver three flex. I'm pretty pretty sure about that. I do think that T. Higgins has like some uh, wide receiver ten overall outcomes. If something happened like Jamar Chase or something like that, I think he's just the more of an alpha receiver. So I'm banking on having some untapped upside that T. Higgins has that maybe a Tyler Boyd doesn't. But they deserve to be ranked pretty similarly. I think that Jamar Chase deserves to be ranked. Number one, I think that his college profile was just that dominant. Um, but I think all three of these guys can get theirs at certain points of the season. I just think that T. Higgins is just the clear alpha of those two. So that's why I have him ranked a little higher. Yeah, I think that makes I mean, Zach Taylor actually did some pretty cool things with like four and five receiver sets. I'm not going to call them all wide receivers, but like they would split the tight end into the slot and detach everyone. And they would run a bunch of vertical routes off there. And T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd had some fun. 
on those matchups as well. Okay, I want to point out Will Fuller. Will Fuller is going as the wide receiver three in ADP right now in his new team with the Miami Dolphins still missing week one. We have him as the wide receiver 37. And in fact, I'm even lower than that at wide receiver 39. I think his ADP needs a hard reset when you consider the likes of Curtis Samuel, Devontae Smith going after him, Tyler Boyd going after him, as we just mentioned. Uh, I love Will Fuller as a player. Drafted him in almost every single league that I had last year when other people are fading him despite injuries. The fit, though, compared to with Deshaun Watson to Tunga, Tua Tunga-Vailoa is just something I, I, I cannot match with at his current price here, Hayden. I would guess that Jalen Waddle is going to get more of the underneath intermediate part, like the shallow crosses, those type of routes. And I think Will Fuller might be on the outside running a lot of a lot of these nine routes, something that Tua was doing well at Alabama, didn't do well at all last year. So this is kind of a projection. You're also dealing with Will Fuller post uh, PEDs. I have no idea what to do about that. And obviously there's the the Jalen Waddle and Devontae Parker, like, this, this offense is like quietly pretty good um, from the skill groups um, besides running backs. And I, I don't know what to do with Will Fuller. I'm pretty much staying with ADP a couple spots lower. That's it. I'll take it one step further. I mean, Jalen Water will lead this team in receiving yards. I, I went back last season when Will Fuller had his, what, best season as, as a professional. Is that fair to say from start to finish? Yeah. Um, he had an eight out of 13.3 last year, which is actually a career low, <laughs> which is – crazy to think about if i had to ask you how many dolphins wide receivers do you think had an a dot even above 12 how many would you say i mean zero maybe one there that last year's dolphins group might have been the shortest smallest wide receiver group of any team ever yeah it was one and it was preston williams who like barely played and barely was a factor i'm not out on Tua this year in fact i think Tua can take a gigantic step forward but I would just expect Will Fuller, while he's going to get some, you know, very important targets down the field that are highly valuable targets down the field. uh, I just expect Jalen Waddle to get more of the opportunity and more of the receiving market share. And uh, that's why I I will say go ahead. I will say if you do want to be drafting Will Fuller this year, I would he is somebody that is going to be definitely better in the best ball. I think in, in your regular drafts. Uh, Will Fuller is going to be a total headache. He's going to have a lot of weeks where he's just not very involved. Uh, he's going to have some big weeks just because of the way he's going to be utilized. I think he's going to be the down threat or downfield threat of this offense. Yeah, and just like in yesterday's show when I preached and did my best to flip the ADPs of Mike Davis and DeAndre Swift, I want to do that with Curtis Samuel and Will Fuller. Because Curtis Samuel, we had J.P. Finley on this very program, said that Curtis Samuel is going to be an outside player where he should have had at least 10 touchdowns with Scott Turner. If Kyle Allen wasn't throwing in the football, uh, I'm on, on Curtis Samuel again. I know all of you listening, all of you that have played fantasy football have heard this for years. You think that last year was his breakout year. Really? It was 2019. Just no one could throw him the football when he was open down the field. I'm excited for what can happen this year in Washington. And just think the usage, the opportunity, the structure of the offense is going to suit him better than Will Fuller here at wide receiver 33. Uh, again, really love Will Fuller, the talent. I'm just not sure if this is exactly what we – like if Jalen Waddle wasn't there and that he wasn't added to it, then I, I would be much more into that pick here in fantasy football on underdog than I would be otherwise. Should we close this tier with uh, DJ Chark? 
Let's do it. See a one-year wonder. So it was pretty interesting what Urban Meyer said about DJ Chark. Uh, he, he said that he was playing too small for his, his size, and he and then I think DJ Chark took that well. He said uh, Urban Meyer said that he gained seven pounds of muscle this offseason. He's playing a more physical game. Uh, to me, if you just look at how the Jaguars are going to be constructed, LaVisca Chanel and uh, Travis Etienne are going to gobble up things underneath. Then you see DJ Chark and Marvin Jones kind of battle things out on the outside. The one thing that's a little bit scary with DJ Chark is Marvin Jones is still pretty good at the game. I think that yes. people kind of sleep on how productive Marvin Jones is. Um, DJ Chark, this coaching staff doesn't have any strong allegiances to DJ Chark. I think that this is kind of a bet on talent. I think that we like DJ Chark, the player, um, but he comes with risk. It's like a totally new offense. Um, but I do think that there is a ceiling outcome where he is the number one on a Trevor Lawrence led team that is actually moving the ball down the field. And all of a sudden that DJ Chark is like entering wide receiver two territory. So I don't really know what to do with them. I'm probably just going to stay with ADP and just play both sides of the ball. Yeah. ADP has him as wide receiver 31. You and I both rank him at wide receiver 32. I I think the threat even of LaVisca Chenault is there. Who's going to play actual wide receiver this year. Not going to have like a near negative a dot or at least the lowest a dot in the league across, you know, all 32 teams. Um, I, I tried to figure out what was the difference between 2019 DJ Chark when he broke out as a sophomore and then last season. I mean, it was similar in terms of alignment and usage in terms of depth. He did have three more drops. Like you said, I think it was just the case of the Jaguars being absolutely awful last year. And when you look back on it, he was third in 20 plus targets in the NFL. Having Trevor Lawrence throw those to you instead of Gardner Minshew and Jake Luton throwing those to you can make a massive massive difference I'm, I'm really i'm glad i went back and watched dj chark before this because it, it may become a way loving the talent even more and i think he could even surpass greatly even break into that top 24 wide receiver spot because you and i again continue to be pro jacksonville's passing offense because daryl bevel is a fun fun play caller as well anyone else before we move on from this tier that you want to talk about um not really i think we've hit on these guys for the most part Okay. Yeah. Devontae Smith at wide receiver 37 and ADP. I have him as wide receiver 35. Again, I think talked about this with Shield Kapadia that at least the public perception is like the Eagles are going to be bottom five in pass attempts this year. And if that's closer to league average, Devontae Smith could, you know, absolutely see 110, 120 targets. Uh, who knows if they're good targets, but he might see 110, 120 targets. All right. Do you want to remind all of you? to go and play on Underdog Fantasy. If you are a new user, deposit anything, skip the guacamole, heed the call, and you get a free $25. That's it. Skip the guac at Chipotle. Instead, deposit that, and you get a free $25. And what you can do with that is go win a million dollars in Best Ball Mania 2 to first place a million and one dollar out there. I think three and a half million in prizes. Uh, or go play one off. And it's really like the best way for you to prepare for your home league, your office league, your college buddy league, whatever. Go into a $3 draft. And I mean, our ADP is is truly the best out there. Money's on the line in every single one. So the best research you can do is to go and enter a $3 draft and find out the results and see how you stack up. All right, let's move on to tier five. Rashad Bateman, we have as our wide receiver 42, Hayden Winks. He is going way down 
as the wide receiver 56. Why are we so much higher on Rashad Bateman than the public? He fits the offense perfectly. He's going to be inside outside receiver. He's going to be the intermediate and underneath receiver on this offense, along with Mark Andrews. I think that he's a really lengthy receiver. He can win uh, outside of his frame and that's going to be helpful in the red zone for the Ravens. And I think that we're both high on Lamar Jackson. And I think that Marquise Brown, he's going to be the vertical threat. And you're going to yep. see Rashad Bateman possibly be able to lead this team in targets. I think that he was that good of a route runner. I thought he was that good um, in and out of his breaks. And I thought that he can be a red zone threat too, because he's. Uh, I think he's going to get a little bit bigger post-COVID. And I think that the Ravens have a direct fit for him. And I think that he kind of just changes the entire outlook for the, the Ravens passing game in general. The Ravens, after they drafted him, talked about how much they loved that he was an outside and inside player. Willie Sneed is no longer on this roster. He played 82% of his snaps in the slot last year, an dot of 8.1. I mean, Marquise Brown had 110 targets last year, 70 in 2019 when Lamar Jackson won the MVP. They probably want to keep him more around that area and not make him so much of a volume pass catcher if we were to get volume pass catchers this year it's probably mark andrews and it's probably rashad bateman i mean this is the player that they want to help them take the next step in the passing game and even if it's not going to be every single blade of grass on the outside of the field it can still dominate the interior with mark andrews and especially that's where lamar jackson thrives i'm happy that we have him 14 spots uh, ahead of adp that's where hayden i agree a player we disagree on and mainly you with the public. I'm right around ADP with Mike Williams. He's going as wide receiver 48. I have him as wide receiver 50. Hey, do you have him all the way up as wide receiver 38? Explain yourself. I think he might be my favorite best ball pick right now, just relative to ADPs. Obviously, 6'4", 220, comes with pedigree. It's in a contract season. He's attached to Justin Herbert. And where Justin Herbert wins downfield is where Mike Williams wins downfield. And also you're removing Hunter Henry from the offense. There might be a couple more red zone opportunities. Plus you've heard these quotes from Joe Lombardi, the Chargers new OC. He's predicting a big year. He says, if I were a betting man, I'd bet on nice numbers coming from him on the stat sheet. Then Mike Williams also talked about how Lombardi's going to move Mike Williams around the formations a little bit. So there might be some new things that we haven't seen from Mike Williams. And there really isn't a third receiving option. It's uh, outside of Austin Eckler. It's it's Eckler. It's Keenan. And it's Mike Williams. And Mike Williams has that better and best ball role. If you just look at last year, 27% of his targets traveled 20 yards downfield. He actually finished in uh, 87th overall in better and best ball points. You can read about that on Underblog. And he's being drafted at 105 overall. So there's he was already better than what he was doing last year. In a frustrating season, he still had four games of 70 yards and a touchdown. So uh, this is a bet on Justin Herbert. This is a bet on the coaching change for the Chargers. And this is also a bet on Mike Williams showing more than what he has through the first four years of his NFL career. He has plenty of potential as a true number one receiver. Yeah. I mean, in terms of running backs in the area that Mike Williams is going right now, Ronald Jones, Tony Pollard, and, uh, and James Conner, I think you mentioned this, but there is no like for like replacement that they brought in for Hunter Henry. He had 93 targets last season. Uh, We also forget that when Phillip Rivers, Played some good football. Mike Williams went over a thousand yards in 2019. Um, I'm right where public is. I need to dive in a bit more because Hayden, the talent is there. Let me ask you this question though: Like, is there any concern that one he's in a contract year, which sometimes seemingly motivates naturally these players, 
but also they may have drafted his replacement in some ways with Josh Palmer. No, Josh Palmer is like a, a hope he can land in the starting lineup type of guy. He's probably going to be the wide receiver three, but Mike Williams, like he was drafted in like the top half of the first round. Like there's a massive ceiling that we aren't accounting for. I know he's been frustrating, but a lot of that has just been these like nagging back injuries, which obviously is scary. But if he can figure this out and stay healthy in a contract season with a new coaching staff, he has a chance to be like a top 20 receiver. Obviously, I'm not projecting that because I have him ranked way, way lower than that. But this yeah. is like the range of outcomes play where Mike Williams has a much higher ceiling than a Jarvis Landry who's being drafted after uh, like Corey Davis, Michael Pittman, Marvin Jones. These are the type of guys he's being drafted by. Give me Justin Herbert. Give me Mike Williams pedigree. I'll take on the risk of him getting injured again. I just like to be betting on these downfield threats and best ball. And Mike Williams is one of the better contested catch downfield threats in the game right now. And not to call out this person, but like LaVisca Chenault has an ADP of four spots higher at wide receiver 44. We have him lower at wide receiver 55, which may vary based on what news and playing style comes out the closer we get to the NFL season. But yeah, we basically have those two players flipped uh, in terms of ADP. So again, we're way ahead on Rashad Bateman. You're way ahead on Mike Williams. Our wide receiver 44, who is going as wide receiver 54, is Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley gets absolutely zero respect in NFL circles, Hayden Winks. I mean, he had tremendous 2020 production, and his 2021 ADP does not show that at all. These are the first seven weeks for his stat lines from last season. Seven targets, four receptions, 58 yards. Five catches, 70 yards. Six catches, 100 yards. Three catches, 32 yards, and a score. Six catches, 53 yards. Four for 45 and another touchdown. And then 11 catches for 112 yards. I think when people go into these drafts now, best ball or not, they say, oh, I want the guy that can make explosive plays downfield who can catch you know, 60-yard touchdowns, the ones that are high variance, that best ball, that underdog is going to pick for me. Guess what is also a floor play but also a ceiling play? A guy that, you know, averages six catches per game around 40 to 50 to 60 yards and who finds the end zone every three contests that type of profile of a receiver is highly undervalued and i would say cole beasley is the poster boy of that heading into the 2021 season i wrote exactly about that on underblog talking about the five values of bro he's better in best ball and i said that cole beasley is the exception to this rule where you typically want to be uh drafting downfield threats but cole beasley is in this unique spot with the bills who are second in neutral pass rate where he has ceiling weeks because the bills decide to completely abandon the run and we've seen this a couple times last year where the bills like literally refused to run the ball until the game was in the fourth quarter and that's why cole beasley last year had five weeks of double digit targets and that's how he ended up being the wide receiver 37 and half PPR. He's being drafted as the wide receiver 54. I don't understand why that gap is so large. I know it's not as easy to just copy paste last year's per game stats, but then you're just swapping out uh, John Brown for a 34 year old Emmanuel Sanders who yeah. has no chemistry with, with, with Josh Allen either. And then you're not even playing the anti-vax narrative of Cole Beasley and Josh Allen. Like there's that kind of brethren friendship where you have to be accounting for that in your best ball rankings too. Not going to touch that one. Uh, yeah. I just think people need to get over their biases when it comes to Cole Beasley. I mean, he's legit good. He legit played well last year 
an offense that Brian Dayball helped take the next step along with Josh Allen, and they're going to do the exact same thing. And if Gabriel Davis emerges, I don't think that takes away from anything that Cole Beasley does in that area of the field either. And there's another receiver that people need to get over their biases for, and it's Nelson Aguilar. He's going as the wide receiver 60 right now. We have him as the wide receiver 50. I mean, again, he was, he is this year the wide receiver one on his team. When can you ever get that at a value of wide receiver 60 in drafts? Patriots last season, 73 targets to Demir Bird, 55 targets to Nikhil Harry. Nelson Aguilar got 82 targets last season and turned it into the wide receiver 36 performance. Hayden, we have the wide receiver 36 in fancy points per game. Now a true number one pass catcher on his own team this year based on the contract that he received, and he's going as the wide receiver 60. Can we explain what everyone out there is doing? I can't explain it. They gave him $12 million in cash for this year. 26% of his targets traveled 20 yards downfield. Last year, we're both projecting Mac Jones to start more games than Cam Newton this year, and if that's the case, I think a lot of these pass catchers are going to be slightly underrated in drafts, going 138th overall on underdog last year. I know it was a different offense, but he finished 59th overall in veteran best ball points. He's going to be the downfield threat for the Patriots this year. Look at the other options. Kendrick Bourne doesn't go downfield. Jacoby Myers doesn't really go downfield. They're going to be 12 personnel all the time. So when they are dialing up a deep threat, a post route, a corner route, a, a nine route, it's going to be Nelson Aguilar. So he's going to have some spiked weeks. He's going to be frustrating when the Patriots decide just to run the ball all over the field, but there's going to be some weeks where Nelson Aguilar gets deep. And I think that people forget like, cause he was so bad. I mean, he was a first round pick. Like maybe he didn't deserve to go in the first round, but like there is some underappreciated uh, talent between Nelson Aguilar in real life versus what the perception of him, just because he's had some bad drops. Second highest average depth of target in the league. Last season, like you mentioned, $7 million cap hit this year, $15 million cap hit next year. Uh, I mean, this is this is a player, Hayden, who, yeah, sure, if Cam Newton plays, maybe if Cam plays exactly how we did last year, which I don't think is possible to be that bad again. Cam has struggled, though, for years to throw down the field. Like if Mac Jones plays, Nelson Aguilar, which we are predicting, Nelson Aguilar is going to smash this wide receiver 60 ADP. It just makes sense. They are going to have two wide receivers in the field a lot because of 12 personnel, but he's the one that's, that's locked into it. It might be Jacoby Myers as the other one. It might be Kendrick Bourne, someone else. As that second wide receiver, Nelson Aguilar is locked into the starting lineup. They paid him like it. His ADP needs to reflect it. All right, there goes Tier 5. Hayden, what a tier it is. We continue to separate ourselves. Individually, we continue to separate ourselves against ADPs. Tier 6 and beyond is an interesting area where I always think of it, Hayden, as like we pick our favorites. I always tend to exit drafts with a bunch of these names because it gets so muddied in this area. Who's one either in this tier, this grouping, or later on that you find yourself exiting drafts with? Well, typically I'm drafting either eight or nine receivers in underdog, and it's basically half your draft is wide receiver. So you're going to be drafting two or three of these names uh, beyond wide receiver 55. So th- this range still matters. I didn't really have a huge player to to grab from. I, I ranked T.Y. Hilton a little bit higher just because of the way he's going to win downfield. And he kind of fits where Carson Wentz likes to throw the ball to. And I think that T.Y. Hilton was kind of grouped in with A.J. Green. 
as like veterans that were struggling early on. But T.Y. Hilton showed way more explosiveness than A.J. Green did last year. So I don't like being too much higher on T.Y. Hilton just because he's an older guy and I don't really trust Carson Wentz that much. But he's going to have some spiked weeks. And then obviously when you're talking about um, rookie wide receivers, the range of outcomes is super wide because people don't know how good they are. But if they're better than what we thought, and these three that we have highlighted, Elijah Moore, Terrace Marshall, Rondell Moore, all three of them have massive potential um, they, they're not the, exactly the cleanest prospects. Maybe Elijah Moore is actually pretty clean, but Rondell Muller, Terrace Marshall, if they hit their, their ceilings, they could be awesome fantasy assets. Yeah. Elijah Moore right now is going as the wide receiver 62. I have him as the wide receiver three combined. We have him as a wide receiver 57. He's someone that could absolutely skyrocket if something happens to Jameson Crowder. And if not, he still might be there in three wide receiver sets. Hayden, that that's a possibility. I do want to bring up Terrace Marshall though. Um, we talked about it earlier with DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. I mean, the Panthers converted just 10 passing touchdowns in the in red zone opportunities last year. It was a major weakness for this team. Teddy Bridgewater even came out and said fourth down situations, red zone situations. We barely practiced those. I'm sure that's not, you know, completely the truth. But I'm sure Matt Rule and Joe Brady this offseason was looked at, you know, maybe Arthur Smith's play calling in the red zone, every single one, and said, okay, how can we improve this? And I would say part of it is just the body type, just the, the style of player that is more viable in that area of the field. Enter Terrace Marshall, a rookie, six foot two, 205 pounds, who posted the best contentious catch numbers in college football last season, who, by the way, in 2019 with Joe Brady was an absolute phenom in the red zone and scored 13 touchdowns with now his play caller on offense. It would not be shocking at all. Here at wide receiver 66 in terms of ADP, I have him as wide receiver 57, Terrace Marshall. If he goes out there as a rookie, claims this job as a number one, number three wide receiver and leads the Panthers pass catchers, pass receivers in receiving touchdowns his rookie season. That's my bold take right now, Hayden. I also have like this underlying feeling that Dan Arnold is going to have a bigger role, but maybe that's oh, a, no. a topic for another time. That, that's, that's when you're starting to overthink things. I think in June when we have all <laughs> this time and then you're like, Oh, I'm actually concerned about Dan Arnold. That's when it's time to go uh, outside for, and take a walk. So Val from the chat, Nicole breakout year. It is worth talking about Nicole Hardman here because he is going as wide receiver 49 on underdog. You and I have him. We're in line here at wide receiver 58. Nicole Hardman, people tried to make it happen heading into last year. Didn't happen in 2020. Feels like it's starting again because, you know, the Chiefs, despite their efforts, weren't able to add a true number two wide receiver. What are our thoughts on Mikko Hardman heading into 2021? Everybody out there needs to go to Game Pass. Just type in McCall Hardman. Look at all of his targets and tell me what your thoughts are on McCall Hardman. I just don't see it. And I think if you look at the playoff usage, McCall Hardman, the Super Bowl is on the line. Patrick Mahomes drops back 61 times. McCall Hardman runs 20 routes, a third of the routes. And then in the AFC Conference Championship, they need to go to the Super Bowl advanced. Patrick Mahomes drops back 40 times. They have McCole Hardman out there for 17 of those routes. I mean, that is just telling me that they haven't seen McCole Hardman advance enough. So you can say third-year breakout. I'm not ruling that out. But for me, the only time I would ever be exiting a draft with McCole Hardman is if I'm doing a chief stack, if I've mm-hmm. already drafted a Travis Kelsey with a Patrick Mahomes, then you can throw in McCole Hardman. But outside of that, I would not be touching McCole Hardman at his ADP. I think that... Uh, people lo- see the explosive play, but all of those other plays in between, he's either not even on the field or he's just not doing anything. Nico Hardman being drafted ahead of Darnell Mooney, 
uh, Cole Beasley, who we waxed poetic on just recently, Rashad Bateman as well. None of that makes sense to me. I would much rather have those three names over me. He has to show he's a different player than what he's shown his first two years. You know, he has to take a major leap in just being good at football. And like Hayden said, in certain context situations, when you look back last year, when games are important and it's not a manufactured touch, it just doesn't seem like he has the goods right now. And maybe he shows them preseason action. Maybe he shows it in week one and week two and, and we're wrong. But just based on context recently, based on them wanting to go out and like sign a Juju Smith-Schuster or sign some other types of players, it doesn't seem like they're too hot on Mikael Hardman either. Um, the only the only thing that is giving me pause, obviously when you're grouped with Patrick Mahomes, like there's these ceiling outcomes, even if you aren't that good where you usually get carried with Patrick Mahomes. And then the other part is he played up some corner at Georgia. He is semi-new to the position, so maybe it actually takes him a couple extra years to get in the flow of things at the position. But these are the things that you have to tell yourself, and he's being drafted as a top 50 wide receiver. So I don't think that the risk is worth it at that position unless you've already drafted Patrick Mahomes. If you're going for the correlation, knock yourself out. Any quick thoughts here on any of these other names? I mean, some news came out yesterday on, on Denzel Mims. It was from a beat writer, which we love beat writer reports, but just watching OTAs and usage and and who's playing better than who, it's all in the eye of, of the beholder and the eye of the writer. But with Denzel Mims, there was a suggestion that even, you know, when he is 100% healthy, he's going to be more of like the wide receiver four on the team behind Keelan Cole potentially. And Hayden, the reasoning there was that Mike LaFleur wants, just like what Kyle Shanahan has in terms of yards after catch threats, Keelan Cole is more than that than Denzel Mims. I always keep going back to Zach Wilson and his connection with his wide receivers at BYU and how they were great in contested areas. I went back and watched Denzel Mims during his rookie season. So did Matt Harmon. And there's a lot to like in those areas, but that's just not his style of game. And we have seen play callers, new head coaches come in and say, well, we don't care about your talent or what you showed. We want someone to fill this box. And maybe Keelan Cole does that better. Are you buying into that at all? I'm not buying into Keelan Cole. I I am. I have some concerns with Denzel Mims as Maybe he's just a big 12 athletic guy that could just be a downfield threat and doesn't really develop anything beyond that. I need, I haven't watched too much Denzel Mims this offseason. That's something I want to do later. Uh, until then, I'm just going to stick with ADP. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. Anyone else before we head out of here? Hayden, that you want to talk about? Uh, real quick, uh, speaking of Matt Harmon, he said that Jalen Rager had the second worst uh, season versus man coverage and reception perception history. So um, just by that, I'm going to be lower than ADP. And that's what I saw on tape when I was watching Jalen Rager. So, and then we, we love Devonte Smith too. So I don't, I don't, I don't want to be buying uh, Jalen Rager at wide receiver 55 either. Yeah. You and I have him as wide receiver uh, 66. Like we said, like Devonte Smith, I like Dallas Goddard to hopefully take the next step. If he plays all 17 games, uh, I don't know if they can support three pass catchers in Jalen Rager as well. Rondell Moore is fascinating. Who knows how he's going to be used? I remember talking about, I mean, this feels like six months ago, Hayden, but me, you, and Matt Waldman getting on this very show and talking about thick Tavon with Rondale and like when he was given the ability to run legitimate routes, it was fun. It was explosive. But in that system and how they have utilized players in certain, you know, areas, just Rondale Moore's projection is something that might be a little impossible to predict. I feel confident where he's going to be used. He's going to be in the slot. He's going to be on the field on like 60 plus percentage of, of the routes. He's not going to be bit. asked to do too much, too much downfield. The The concern is that historically Kyler Murray has not been able to throw the ball over the middle of the field. And that's where Rondell Moore is going to 
do some of his damage, but he's so he's, he's going to get some backfield touches. He's going to win on some quick outs. He's so explosive. Um, so I wouldn't, I'm not ruling out a breakout season from him. I, I'm, I feel pretty confident where he's going to be used. I just don't know how many times Kyle Murray's going to give him the ball in that situation. Can we just scroll down to wide receiver seven, or excuse me, tier seven real quick? Because again, these are going to be a lot of names that people out there might be thinking about in round 16, round 17, round 18. We've had previous shows where, you know, beat writers attached to these teams with usage have talked about Van Jefferson. Um, they've talked about even Adam Humphreys, Jacoby Myers is another name. I've hyped up Amari Rogers as a player that no one really fulfills that area of the field on the Packers. He's going as wide receiver 82. I have him way higher at wide receiver 64. That will be adjusted based on what we see during preseason action. Um, I'm even higher in Kadarius Tony. He's going again, the public just, Dislikes him, wide receiver 76. I have him as wide receiver 67. Any thoughts on any of these names, Aiden? Uh, basically, this tier comes down to if you, you're you stacking with your quarterback that you've already drafted, because by this time, the quarterbacks have been drafted. And then the other thing is I want the downfield guys. A um, couple of names come to mind. Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling is the classic example of just how many explosive games he's going to have. If any of these guys hit your lineup two or three times, that's a win. And I think that MVS has a decent chance to do that. I, I don't want to be drafting any of these low dot guys that are in a starting lineup but not doing anything. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown might, kind of comes to mind. Um, some of these other names, I'm, Amari Rogers, I want to be higher on, but then it's like half PPR and I don't know. Um, yeah, this is like the tier where you're just like stacking and then you want the downfield threats. So I think that goes on all the way into to tier eight and tier nine too. It's the same thing. Yep. Again, everyone out there, you can check out – the full rankings, just go over to underblog.underdogfantasy.com. If you're checking us out on YouTube, thank you for being here. We actually will be back 1230 Eastern on Thursday. Tomorrow, the giveaway gauntlet version three is here. Brett Coleman, you all love him from YouTube. You love him from Twitter. He'll be joining us for five NFL questions, five players choice topic questions and most importantly we are giving away 10 best ball mania 2 entries out to all of you that is 250 dollars be sure to be here for that again that's on youtube at 12 30 eastern we did a hayden running backs and wide receivers this week next week we'll do some quarterbacks we'll do some tight ends we'll do a whole bunch of stuff at some point i'll get my top 200 to you as well but a guy's got to work guys got way too much to do at this moment All right, Hayden, that's it. Everyone out there, again, like, subscribe, help us out. If you're listening to the podcast feed, ratings, reviews, telling one friend always helps. Josh, real quick, we're almost at 200 ratings and reviews on Apple. If you're listening to the podcast, go down there, throw us a little review that helps us us out a ton. Thank you. I appreciate that. Up the villa, everyone. Talk to you all soon. See ya.